I'm Dave. And I'm Greg. And we love watching great films. But we don't get to watch as many as we used to because we're dads. So we've made a super duper podcast all about it. This is Dads on Film. Looking a bit tired, Gregory. <laughs> I went camping last night. So, yeah. <laughs> A few sherbets, but now we're good. I'm good. I'm good. I've bought my A game. I'm ready. Excellent. Ready. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> what have you been doing? I'm. I'm good. I'm really good. We. What, what did I say we were doing? Oh, we went to our wedding venue. Oh on, yeah. Uh, oh, on cool. Friday, it was amazing. It was really, really good. We got some lunch and stuff before it in Nutsford, which was very pleasant. Nutsford City Limits. Who who sang that song? No. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm not going to tell you. Uh, I'll let, I'll really? Let, maybe listeners will message in. Yeah, um, absolutely. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, um, well. Cool. Oh, so, I'm trying to think what else we've done. No, just that, I think. I think. It's hard to remember these days. Yeah, a lot of days just sort of blend into one. Watched a lot of films. It's been great. I've not yeah. watched many this week. Uh, went down to London. Um, oh yeah, I was London. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, I felt quite safe. It's quite heartwarming to see the efforts places are going to to yeah. make things work. Like I thought that when I went to the pub the other week, I was a little bit apprehensive about going, but I actually felt really sort of comfortable. And yeah, yeah they've got it. They seem to have it in, in control. Well, so, a lot of places, well, yeah, a lot of places are investing money and making the effort and that. So mm. yeah, I'm sort of cautiously doing stuff and actually again largely quite pleasantly surprised oh right lovely i noticed you did the um you had dab on didn't you oh was that just oh Elliot? the hot ones From oh hot ones. Man. yeah so hot ones is um like a youtube show hot ones. it's like an interview show it's such a good format and but yeah. actually the interviewer, I can't remember his name, but... He, Sean, he's, yeah, he's, Sean Evans, so, Sean Evans. So, yeah, so they use these, they basically eat increasingly hot sauces with chicken wings mm. as a format for whilst they're conducting the interview. So I had, I think it's the hottest one, isn't it? I'm not into spicy stuff. And it was mm. like, I had, a, I had a very small amount with food. And I think that's significant having it yeah. with food. Um, and it was, it was uncomfortable. And, mm. and... Like it was hard work, and I sweated through it, and it's painful. Yeah. But actually, it gave me a weird rush. Oh like, wow! It, it was quite. I, I I can see why people get into really spicy stuff because yeah. Can, Although like, that one is, it's famously laced with crack cocaine. <laughs> 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 it's just on the small print in the bottom. <laughs> um, but um, it was very Moorish. Um, <laughs> Finally, it's officially the summer holidays, so not as much you going bloody on. Teachers. Yeah. Well, bloody I mean, teachers. Yeah. It's probably as summer holidays go, it's going to be a busier one. Get ready for the chaos of yeah. September because it's all going to be pretty different. But so, so it's not completely taken our foot off the gas, but it's just it's been a, it's been a it's been a tough run really. Last couple. I went into work today, actually into college for the first time since the thirteenth of March. Yeah, just a bit. I had to pick up some stuff, but it was it was weird. Like, 
it was really clean. It was the cleanest I've seen it <laughs> in like two years, which is a little bit like worrying. Yeah, for, so I had the same experience today, funnily enough. But yeah, um, yeah. So relax a little bit. Got some camping trips coming up and yeah. stuff like that. It's all good. It's yeah. good. Have we had any messages? Have we? Yes, we, we have, yes. Uh, we've had loads of messages this week. So Gethin said, boys, I've seen it. The worst film ever made. Isn't it romantic? Pile of shit. <laughs> yes. I have not okay. seen this film, but I think, is it, the, is it the Rebel Wilson one? Isn't it romantic? I don't know. I'm intrigued now. I, was, oh. I, 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 I You know when you kind of want to see something that's... Yeah, it is. It's Rebel, Rebel Wilson, A. Hemsworth. Oh. Uh, a- Adam Devine, a-, a-, a Hemsworth, a- one of the one of the Hemsworths. Oh right, okay. Right. <laughs> um, Which one? Adam Devine. Yeah, it's Luke. Luke Hemsworth. Okay. Um, not the Westworld one, and not Thor. Adam Devine one. was he from? Hang on, don't tell me he's from Maroon Five. No, you're thinking Adam Levine. Oh yeah. Adam Devine. He's the guy from. I was going for a really out there pop culture <laughs> reference, and I was like, I know this one. Oh god, he's, he's from, from. He's from Pitch Perfect. Um. Okay. But he's in Workaholics. He's actually in loads of stuff. You'll recognize him. He sounds just like Jack Black. Um, oh. But he's in all of the... He must have some sort of deal with Netflix, I think, because he's in so many like straight-to-Netflix films. Um, but anyway, so isn't it romantic? It's not something that I would particularly go out of my way to watch. Gethin's obviously but, not uh, seen three, 365 Days. Oh, have you seen it? I, I, again, out of curiosity, hearing how bad it was, I, like had a little like whiz through it to see. Yeah. It. I mean, on the few minutes I watched it, it was it was diabolical, very arousing. Well, <laughs> did nothing for me. <laughs> um, anyway, so isn't it romantic? Probably one will will give them give it a miss. I yeah, imagine. but thanks thanks for the heads up, Gethin. Richard said. Richard said, suggested old school film to review The Usual Suspects. It's my Wednesday morning while working film of choice today. So he says, I feel like my reviews are always less technical than yours and Greg's. <laughs> I mean, that's, I think it's giving us too much credit. We, you know. I yeah, think I don't think we go too in-depth into things. We're, we're, I think we're, we'll probably pick it. I certainly find that I'm getting an eye for stuff that I never used to really yeah. look for. Um, mm. Anyway, he said not finished it yet. About thirty minutes in, imagine. <laughs> what imagine, is right? thing? <laughs> so imagine for, enjoying for the a film so much that thirty <laughs> minutes in, you go, "I'm going to pause this and I'm going to text Nancy <laughs> on film to say after thirty minutes, this is." So my- this this is Rich who a few weeks ago was live texting us whilst watching uh, Irresistible, wasn't it? Oh, giving us a review, and he was like, "But I'm only twenty minutes into it. Why does he keep doing this? Oh God." Um, <laughs> So he's, uh, uh, it's uh, being interrupted by customers. All oh, right, okay. Um, so he must be working. <laughs> yeah. So love the line. It's not the time to watch a film. Uh, <laughs> love the lineup scene at the start. It jumps around a bit from timeline to timeline, which is hard to keep track of, especially when you're shifting widgets during the film too. Don't know if that's done for effect. Spacey, what widgets? What does he do? He he, <laughs> he sells like components for like machinery and things like that. So widget must be some sort of component. There's Spacey very good at playing <laughs> a wet creep. He says no huge surprise. Um, yeah, no, it's not. Yeah. It's not. So- we had a very interesting message this week, Greg, from Jenny. 
who's a, is a she's a regular uh, regular listener regular messenger and also your mum and she said <laughs> with regards to us hating scoob last week she said so greg dressed up as shaggy at his party 21st i actually corrected her it was your 18th i was there or something oh. we're not talking primary school yes there is photographic evidence hashtag not a fan i question that so yeah i was i was actually there for that that was it, what 13 years ago 14 yeah, years ago it would have been like that. yeah i mean me and a couple of mates jim and jack had a joint 18th and we decided the three of us it was the, it was the it's the least effort i've made, ever made for fancy dress and it was for my own 18th but we decided mm. the three of us together to go as shaggy fred and scooby-doo and i think this was orchestrated because jim had a scooby-doo outfit so we were like <laughs> oh well we should probably go as some of the others so I, I i literally i had i had long shaggy hair anyway mm. which i used to perhaps straighten um <laughs> and <laughs> I, I wore some baggy brown cords and a snot green t-shirt, and that was my outfit. There wasn't much difference from how you used to dress back then, to be fair. <laughs> um, I was Spider-Man, I remember it. And I also grew what I thought at the time was all some facial hair. Looking back, it was just the most pathetic <laughs> attempt at a beard in the world. And that's now coming from two quite beardy, beardy yeah, men. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, she's right there. The, I mean, it doesn't make this film work. That's, if anything, it shows how bad this film is. If the fact that I have previously dressed up as Shaggy from Scooby Doo, and when it wasn't wasn't even relevant thirteen years ago, and still is not relevant now. Good work, Warner Brothers. So, what's going up in today's show, Greg? Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next we're going to look at my homework this week which was ryan johnson's brick from 2005 was it yeah it was yeah then we're gonna look at this week's news before we speak to eric branco who's director of photography um, for clemency which is new out this week we spoke to him f- uh, from la uh, then we've got so solid you we're not doing one film for so solid you this week we're going to chat about all our favorite animated family films and yeah. we're going to speak about your favorites as well uh, then this week's dirty dozen is the dark knight which as i think we've mentioned once or twice is one of our favorites and finally nah, it's not, we're not for me <laughs> we are set uh, we set homework by someone else this week so. yeah look forward to it so homework you done your homework, homework, Greg? I have done my homework. Yeah, I did yes. it. It seems like a long time ago now. I watched it last Thursday night, which that's strange because it was the night before you <laughs> said it. Technically, that was. <laughs> hey, hey, the weather's wow. fine on this on this who, beautiful Friday morning. <laughs> who needs Nolan when you've got the crazy Oof. timelines of our <laughs> podcast? So, anyway, more on that later. This joke is not wearing thin at all. I love it. No, well, it probably is for everyone else. It's not for us. Oh, well. So, Dave sent me Brick, uh, which is a 2005 sort of neo-noir mystery film, uh, directed by Ryan Johnson and starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Two people who have spoken about a fair bit over Yeah, yeah weeks, quite a bit, actually. I, I think. Um and obviously we're going back 15 years, so a very young Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And but actually, quite old 
quite an old Joseph Gordon-Levitt for the timeline of when people have watched him because obviously the first thing I saw him in was Third Rock from the Sun <laughs> like oh, right, in, okay. the, in the right. 90s, I suppose. But Yeah, fair enough. So, I mean, I, guess, I think he was about 24 when he when they shot this and mm. uh, he plays... So it's an interesting film. It's, it is mm. interesting and I can completely see why you really like it. I can't decide whether I do. Uh, yeah. The, so it's set in a high school and basically what happens is this um, young lad played by it's Brendan, isn't it? Played by Joseph. Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. It's a bit weird. It's like, he's got this ex-girlfriend who has sort of gone, moved to other social circles and he gets mm. this note directing him to a payphone where he gets this, this distressed phone phone call from her. And she's basically mixing in, shady company shall we say yeah and she's begging him for help and then he tracks her down eventually and he ends up going to this place where he's expecting to find her but he finds her body and what he does is then go on sort of a a mission to find out what happened to her not involving the police he actually hides the body and uh, starts investigating himself and there are very few adult roles in this film in fact possibly yeah. two two that i can think of one is the vice principal of the school yeah and one is the mother of the <laughs> of the pin <laughs> of the pin who is this drug dealer villain first of all the the main thing i likened this film to as i was watching it and it took me about half an hour for this to drop was the fact that there's hardly any adults in it and these know, kids essentially are playing these gangster roles these like adult <laughs> crime roles i'm thinking yeah god it's bugsy, bugsy malone, malone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it hit me this and i thought is this what they're trying to go for because it, it, what i will say is for me at least and i'm a teacher in in a secondary school this this the plot is completely unbelievable it's, yeah. it, it's incomprehensible that that any of the stuff that goes on and any of the things these kids get involved in could actually happen in real life um and i guess that's kind of cool in a way because Mm. it is so unique and it it is i don't know it's almost like i I couldn't figure out what the idea is is that it's set in a sort of fantasy world or it is supposed to yeah i don't know really is it set in someone's in a a character's head it's it's quite bizarre but it's definitely got that Bugsy Malone quality about it because it's, it's basically every role is one of these kids play get, getting involved in things that kids would never, should never, hopefully, get involved with. Mm. I think I mean. what, what I liked about it is it's essentially a sort of film noir detective story. Yeah. You know, the sort of thing you would see, you'd read in some sort of pulpy magazine or you'd see some yeah. old like B-movie from the 40s. But essentially, it's it's taken that sort of story. And to be honest, it could have been a story from the 40s. Yeah. But instead of being police officers and in a, in a, you know, in reporting to his captain, the school kids and he's reporting to the vice principal do you know what i mean so it's still got all these recognizable 
characters from these films. So Definitely, you've got Femme yeah. Fatale, you've got a damsel in distress, you've got, again, like, as I say, like the police chief, but it's not, it's a vice principal. You've got his, like, his sidekick who does the kind of, the legwork oh, yeah. for him. I liked him, him to be fair. The yeah, bra- he was, was really he the, good. Was he called the brain, was he? Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, you've got the kingpin, you know, and I, that's what really attracted me to this film. And I saw it when it, probably when it came out, yeah. Well, not so far long after. I had this really weird, this weird obsession with like film noir back back when I was in college and, and uni. A lot of the films that we used to make were all sort of detective influenced and things like that. I don't know why. It was quite easy to write, maybe. Um so that's yeah. what drew me to it. And I just kind of liked how that it was this surreal that it did have this sort of surreal quality to it, but it was more like they'd just taken the story and thrown it in the present day. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think having seen Knives Out, I can completely see how sort of 15 years ago, Ryan Johnson was sort of grinding his axe towards that sort yeah. of mystery. Yeah, he had a lot of the same, you know, same tones, a lot of the, a lot of the traits that you can see in some of his later work, particularly Knives Out, were, were in there even then. I realized it took me ages to realize who Emily DeRaven, uh, I think Emily DeRaven, Emily DeRaven was who from Lost. Uh, played Emily. Yeah, and it, then mm. uh, yeah, then that's of course she is. She's uh, she's off Lost. Is it Claire? Um, so, Is it Claire? Yeah, that's she's Australian, right. yeah. isn't she? Yeah, yeah, and she was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, she was um, good. Really good. Uh, some bits I really liked. I, I, I love the I love the soundtrack. Some really cool eerie piano soundtrack. Yeah, like piano and it it almost had like this sort of percussive quality to it. You know, like almost like bot- people hitting bottles and things yeah. like that. It was, really, it was again, it all just sort of added to this sort of weird feeling to it. I don't know. Yeah, cool use cool cool use of light and dark as well. Almost mm. like gray skies, this pathos um, yeah. vibe, but they used the moments of light as well um, to give that sort of contrast. Um, I I think it stayed with me. It certainly sat with me, and I think it's yeah. one of those that in time I, I'll probably want to get drawn to go back to and sort of have yeah. another go at. Uh, it, I didn't absolutely love it because it really got in the way for me. The bizarre nature of the plot and yeah. the fact that these kids were playing it out is it but i suppose you'd have to see past that really to, to yeah i think it's um it's quite it's not an easy film to watch because it's it is quite hard to follow because they're using this all these very sort of hard boiled you know phrases and terminology and things like that. sometimes you're a little bit like what what are they actually saying oh a lot but, of the time i didn't know what was going on yeah, yeah. I, even went to put, I went to put subtitles on but sky doesn't have <laughs> subtitles so but i think it is very quite beautifully written like the ryan johnson can definitely like turn a phrase it, it is it, that's just something like you've just got to got to sort of uh, admit um i think it's i really really enjoyed it and i've not watched it now for maybe i don't know five or six years so it was really refreshing coming back and watching it again i think if yeah. you're looking for something a bit different yeah it's it's 100 worth a watch you may come out of it feeling a lot like greg is now or I, I i would have done when i first watched it but it's you'll not see anything like it I think. no I, it's I'd quite safe to say that i'd absolutely agree and yeah you're right about sort of not being able to follow it all the time and i think that's that that's probably the intention in a way. I think it's okay yeah. that you can't always follow it because 
you do start to piece together. I mean, Brandon's dialogue is quite poetic at times. Yeah, definitely. And it's and sometimes it's almost got like a, it's almost like rap. It's got rhythm to it. Yeah, and the way he's yeah. the way he's speaking. What what I will say is it made me feel something. And whether I like it or not, and I think this is true for a lot of cinema, it's neither here nor there. I've come out yeah. feeling something from it. It's stuck with me. So I'm not saying I love it, but I don't think that matters. I've I, I've come away thinking about it. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's and that's that's what you want to do. There's a brilliant chase scene. Do you remember the chase scene where somebody tries to? It's in it's in the school. Somebody tries to like stab him. I think. Oh yeah. Someone tries to stab him, and he literally just runs off. He takes his shoes off. Yeah. Oh, it's so it's so well done. Like brilliant, brilliant little scene. Um, yeah. I think it's definitely worth a watch. If you want something a bit different, if you want to feel a certain thing, it, I, I would highly recommend it. It is, it's, yeah. it's something you will not have seen before. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I recommend it too. So you can see Where it. can we watch it? You can see it on Sky Store. You can buy it for £9.99. Oh, we were split going splits, weren't we? Well, we owe you some money. We, we said that. <laughs> uh, you uh, get the right. next one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so that was Ryan Johnson's Brick. It's hard to do it when there's a when there's a delay. <laughs> okay, ready. Us. One, two, three, go. This is the news. It sounds like I'm doing anyway. Never mind. So this is the news. If you'd not guessed, news. I didn't realize there was a lag, but apparently so. Yeah, like clap with me. Three, two, one. What? <laughs> I should do it. One, two, three. <laughs> no way. I thought I did that dead on you, with right, you there. I'll clap with you then. Go on. One, two, three. <laughs> Is that not the same time? No, that wasn't right. But see, for me, I did it dead on with you. It's like that two Ronnie <laughs> sketch. Have you seen that two Ronnie <laughs> <Yeah>. sketch? <laughs> so clever. Uh, oh dear. Anyway, <laughs> we tested the technical. So, so that'll explain this. So, what did you think of Sonic? Oh, I thought Ryan Johnson was brilliant. <laughs> the, first, uh, the first film with the first name I could think of. <laughs> oh, I'm getting warm. Uh, anyway, right. news. News. So, news we missed out on last week um, because we're so on the ball is Uncharted started filming, didn't it? Ah, yeah. Oh, I forgot, yeah, I forgot we were, speaking, we were texting about this, weren't we? So, yes, we were. So I've played Uncharted 4 throughout. And Uncharted 4 is really cool. And I don't play a lot of video games, but my brother went to me and said, you need to play this game. And mm. it, it is incredible. And I remember playing and thinking, this has got to be made into a film. Lo and behold, they'd already struck a deal to um, start, start putting together. In fact, I think someone already, had already written a screenplay pretty much by the time right. Uncharted 4 came out. You haven't played the game. I do not play video games, unfortunately. Nothing against them. With all my interests and things like that, I should be a gamer. It yeah. just makes sense, but I'm not. So yeah, I'm, I've, I'm I literally know not. I know the character's called Nathan Drake, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And that is literally all I know about the Uncharted. So is it a bit like Indiana Jones? It is, but like a more modern, sort of cooler right. thing. And, and so one thing they do on Uncharted 4 is go into Nathan Drake's 
backstory and there's actually okay. some some levels where you play in a flashback as young Nathan Drake because okay. you're a bit you're a bit confused when you were texting me about yeah. the fact that Tom Holland's been cast as Nathan Drake and, and yeah and quite rightly surely he's a bit too young to play him but actually in the flashback parts of the of Uncharted 4 he looks absolutely spitting image yeah it's so they're, ob- like the they're obviously character. think yeah, they're obviously thinking, right, well, we're in this for the long, the, you know, the uh, the long haul now. We're going to let Tom Holland age into the character and each well, one, maybe. each film will essentially be the next stage in his life. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Tom Holland's going to be around for years. Let's face, you know, like, you know, he's going to be in, in Hollywood now for years. So yeah, I wouldn't it's be quite, surprised. quite a smart move. It could be, be quite, fair. yeah, it could be a really, really shrewd move. Um, and we've spoken before about games that have been made into films and there's some examples where it really shouldn't have happened. Yeah. Sonic being one of them. (laughs) I actually think, and I don't play loads of games. I'll probably play through one game of that sort of style each year where it's story mode sort of, I'll Mm. play through mainly for the story and sort of that immersive nature and escapism. Mm. So I've, I've played that. I've played last of us. I've played red dead redemption, things like that. And when I was playing it I do remember thinking this would be an amazing film this needs to be a film they just need to be careful though because I think like one game I have played was Assassin's Creed and everybody whenever when they first played Assassin's Creed was like oh my god this would be a fantastic film it was not (laughs) a fantastic film in the slightest so they just need to be very careful because video game films are essentially cursed from, from yes. the start aren't they yeah um, absolutely so it, yeah two raiders have never Tom, quite nailed yeah, on yeah they never quite it? got it have they and i, I did watch yeah. the alicia vikander remake or reboot and it, yeah. it was fine it, it didn't quite get it so yeah um, yeah could, could be quite cool so what other news mm. have you got um it's bad news for you greg and i did send oh, you this the other day uh so tenet has officially been delayed indefinitely which to be fair we we saw coming. It was always going to happen, wasn't it? Let's face it. Um, I'm going to be very, very surprised if the cinemas do open because it's supposed to be, what, next week? Yeah, I mean, I think we keep every week with for the last few weeks we've mentioned Tenet and I'd, I think if you're not fussed about the idea of Tenet or Chris Nolan films, uh, mm. the significance is the fact that this has been since the start of the pandemic it's been seen as the sort of yardstick of cinemas if Mm. chris nolan was standing firm on it if if that date was going to be stuck with the 17th of july was the original one which would have been last week uh, that would have been a bit of a triumph really yeah for cinema and the fact he's i know it's been pushed back and kind of holding on to it was quite encouraging that they were holding on to it so it is quite Mm. it is really quite sad that they're just letting it completely slide and I, I, what I will say is, I, I am I, I am happy that they're not they don't seem to be going for a home streaming release. Yeah, they and that's never absolutely do that, right. I don't think. Uh, no, mm. Chris Nolan films need to be seen on the cinema screen. Yeah, so yeah, it could be. A year, I personally, I th- I think it'll be a year. I think they're going to just push it the entire year, and it'll be next summer. Um, yeah. I think there's too many other. Not that it anything would really hurt it its release, but I think there's too many films that are, as we said last week, supposed to be released towards the end of this year. So I think they'll hold out and either do a spring release or they'll just do 
a full year and it'll be July, August next year. Well, that's it. That's it. There's no way, put it this way, if No Time to Die comes out in the autumn, they were going to keep, they were going to want to keep it well away from that, aren't they? Mm. Because I think you'll get similar sort of audiences get, get, yeah, going, to, yeah, going to those. Um, yeah. Hey, good things come to those who wait. What else? Definitely. So the other bit of news, and the last bit of news, I suppose it's not really news, but I just think it's something quite interesting maybe to have a little chat about. So Netflix has released its top 10 original films um that so basically it's top um it's top performing original properties that they've released and netflix have quite been been quite notorious for keeping the cards close to the chest and not really giving people any uh information on how they I i suppose rank their films how they um you know how well their films perform but yeah this week they've released the top 10 um so uh, it's supposed it's in the wake of the new Charlie Theron film, The Old Guard, which has just been released on Netflix. For to fairly um, lukewarm reviews, yes. But apparently, it's doing very, very well um, streaming wise. Which I suppose maybe it's something we need to look at in the next few weeks. But so I just thought we'd run through the top ten and just have a little, a quick sort of chat about it, really. Um, yeah, I mean, so, looking at it now, I, I'll tell you now. I think I've only seen one of them. I know it's the Irishman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that you know, and, that, and that's fine. To be honest, I've I've only seen maybe three, mm. if that, of them really. Um, and I suppose that kind of says a, a lot about these films. Um, but the 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 number one film, uh, the most successful film they've released, was only released in April, and it was the Chris Hemsworth film Extraction, which I actually mentioned last week. I watched it the other week, and you know what? It was it was pretty decent, to be fair. It was a good, solid action thriller. Um, yeah. But it's it, in its and the way they the way they um, sort of calculate the viewing or the success of these films is how well it performs in the first four weeks that it's been released. Yeah. So Extraction. Yeah. I, I, Sorry. It's been quite just pick up on that. It's a bit. It's been a bit awkward for people who look into the box office mm. top top figures on like on a weekly yeah. basis because yeah, whilst a lot of it's usually based on other well, box office figures are based on uh, revenue takings, yeah, aren't they? Yeah. And you know the Netflix just just doesn't fall into that. So when you've had these big releases, particularly things like The Irishman. Mm. they've not been able to place it in terms of how well yeah. it's doing against other things. That, that, well, definitely. And I think there's been talk that that's all just going to have to go out the window now because the, we are going to be seeing more films released straight to, you know, VOD, sure. I suppose. Mm. Um, but Extraction got, had 99 million views in okay, the first wow. four weeks, which is it's pretty crazy when you think about that. And I think if you were looking, obviously, if it had been released in the cinema, it wouldn't have yep. done half as well because people wouldn't have paid the cinema, you know, the ticket prices to go and see it. Yep. But I suppose if you were sort of doing the maths on it, if you were charging £10 a ticket and 99 million views, that's quite a lot of money when you think about it. Yeah, um, definitely. So I suppose that's easily made its, it, the, its sort of money back. Number two was the Sandra Bullock film Bird Box with okay. 89 million. Um, in its first week, so it's quite a big, quite quite a big gap there. I actually yeah. saw that. One. It was it was it was all right. It was it was a good little um, good little thriller, verging on a horror. There were some pretty um, unsettling things in it. Um, yeah. In third, there was something called Spencer Confidential, which I think had Mark Wahlberg in uh, with eighty five uh, million. So I think this came out this year. 
I didn't see yeah. it to be honest, but you know, there you go. Then we had the, we had the Ryan Reynolds and Michael Bay film Six Underground with eighty three million. Okay. Um, a this Adam Sandler and uh, Jennifer Aniston film Murder Mystery. So again, it's probably worth noting Adam Sandler has a deal with Netflix, so he releases a certain amount of films a year for for yeah. them, and none of them are, have been memorable, unfortunately. Um, so that's seventy three. Then in sixth place it was The Irishman with sixty four million. Which just, whilst we're on The Irishman, okay, and I don't think you've seen it, but I, and I've seen it, and I think I felt quite um, numb after seeing it. I thought. I thought it was overindulgent to mm. to think that anyone's going to sit for three and a half hours um, and, and watch anything. Most people yeah. I know did it in parts. But yeah. not only that, the audacity for Martin Scorsese to make sweeping statements like saying Marvel Cinematic Universe isn't cinema. Yeah. And then actually he's not even supporting cinema by striking deals at that point and it's straight to Netflix. Do you know what I mean? It's well, like... There was a bit of a story behind that. Apparently, he said no studio wanted anything to do with this film because it wasn't particularly sellable. And I think that was one of the main reasons that he got on his high horse or small horse because he's a very short man. About, about, MCU. <laughs> about yeah. MCU. Because he feels that they're taking, you know, studios just want to release superhero films, which I suppose there is an argument for. But then on the other hand, you know, you you just got to. It sounds it sounds bad because I I do I rate majority of Martin Scorsese films, and I think we've we've said this before. Goodfellas is one of the the most Bloody perfect it. films ever made. But yeah. do people want to go to the cinema now for three and a half hours to see Robert De Niro, who hasn't done the best for his his reputation over the past few years because of the film choices he's made? Al Pacino, Joe Pesci. Harvey Keitel, they're not ex- like it's, it sounds bad saying it, and I almost I almost feel a bit dirty saying it, but they're not particularly bankable names. So no. I'm, I'm really surprised that the you know this the actual major studios didn't really want to produce this film. So I think that that was one of the the main reasons why he went to Netflix in the first place. Yeah, um, fair enough. I mean, one thing we have said before is. There's two sides to the coin. It's like you know, Netflix. Netflix will be the end of cinema, but at the same time, Netflix is giving filmmakers the freedom to make the films that they want to make. And quite often, yeah. we're seeing much more creativity in some of these films that, they're, that, that some of this stuff they release. So this week we saw the new film Clemency starring Alfred Woodard, which won the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance last year. And we're so pleased to be joined by Director of Photography, Eric Branco. Eric, thanks so much for speaking to us. How are you? I'm great. How's everything? Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're really good, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Can you start off by just uh, giving us a little bit of a setup to Clemency uh, for those who haven't seen it? Yeah, uh, Clemency is the story of a prison warden um, and kind of the emotional, uh, the emotional toll uh, taken on her and her family in between two executions. Wow, blimey! <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it, it's very, very deep. Just when did you actually? Shoot, when was it shot? Because I suppose again, we are, we've only just got it, but I suppose it was probably a good year or so ago. At, at least. Years, we shot it there. more. Yeah, it was two and a half years ago. We shot oh, it. Wow. We shot it okay. uh, in the spring of 2018. Oh wow! Um, okay. And then it premiered at Sundance 
January 2019 yeah, of course, yeah, and was yeah. released uh, in theaters at the end of 2019. End of 2019. Brilliant. Um, so it's, it is just so incredibly be- like beautifully shot. Um, how did working on a picture like this with such important and strong themes as, you know, as we've just sort of touched on affect the way you worked or the decisions and choices that you made when, you know, when shooting? Yeah. I mean, I had, uh, I had for a little while kind of like in my own personal practice as a cinematographer, been trying to, uh, hand as much control of the set, uh, as possible back to the actors. Uh, I feel very often um very often actors are kind of coming into a into a space that has been kind of like hustling and bustling for a few hours by that point um and they're trying to work in a space that's kind of cluttered with stands and cables and Mm. bodies and you know i really want to try and keep that to a minimum on clemency to allow the actors to do their to do their best work and really feel like the space was theirs uh and feel like they weren't necessarily on a movie set um you know we shot in a real in a real jail uh, that had been shut down, but you know the location was very real. It felt very real. It felt you could kind of feel the ghost. Yeah, you can definitely you, you can definitely feel the sort of weight of the prison. Um, you know, in yeah. the film with, without a doubt, which you don't you know you don't get in these. Well, in, I won't sort of drop some names, yeah, but in, name in names, sort of other fi- in other films set you know exactly. with similar sort of themes i suppose um, yeah but yeah so because we shot you know because we had this amazing amazing location um i really i approached this film uh i really tried to keep all my lights offset uh out of the eye lines out of people's way i lit mostly from windows or above um so you know hopefully when the actors got on set it felt like the, the space was theirs um and not mine Brilliant. So I'm curious to how the relationship between a director and a DP works. And I know you've worked with Chinonye before um, on, on a short, but how does your relationship with Chinonye work in particular? Where does her job finish and yours begin? Uh, I don't think her job ever finishes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, uh, we met through a mutual friend um, quite a number of years ago uh, when she was looking for a cinematographer for a long walk. Uh, which is a short film we shot in, I want to say, in 2013. Um, so we met for that project, kind of hit it off, shot a long walk, um, and really, really got along great. Um, and she, I think shortly after we shot that, was like, hey, I'm working on a script. Uh, you know, when, I'm, when I have a draft, I would love to share it with you, which, of course, you know, who would say no? Uh, and she handed me a couple months later the first draft of Clemency, probably in 2014. Um, which, you know, was, was a very different movie, but kind of thematically, uh, thematically had, had the heart the whole way through, you know, the, yeah. the process. And were you reading that first draft with it? Were you already sort of getting, you know, ideas of how you wanted to shoot it, light it, you know, all, all this sort of stuff? Yeah, it was interesting because, you know, normally these kinds of experiences are, are somewhat accelerated. You kind of read a script, read a script, you know, you, you are kind of told you're in consideration for a, a project. You're sent to, you sign an NDA, you're sent mm-hmm. a script. And then really, you know, within a couple of days, you need to kind of meet the director and kind of pitch your plan and pitch how you would shoot this uh, yeah. film, um, which is, you know, 
sometimes not the most conducive way to uh, to kind of dive into a project. But clemency was interesting because we had kind of such a long period of time to kind of slowly and organically discuss and figure out how the film was going to be shot um, and what we were trying to say visually. Um, so, yeah, I mean, of course, anytime you read a script, you get ideas and things start to bubble to the surface. But what was really special about this one was the fact that we didn't immediately need to then jump into production on the film. Yeah, definitely. Um, so obviously from looking over, you know, your past work and things like that, you've got experience on, on sort of both sides of the lens. Um, how did you actually wind up becoming, you know, a cinematographer? Yeah. So I, um, you know, I knew I grew up in New York, um, kind of adjacent to the arts. Mm -hmm. Um, saw that that was something that people did for a living um, and that you could do for a living, but didn't know anyone that, that, you know, did anything like that. Yeah. So uh, my, my mother signed me up for acting classes uh, when I was, you know, probably about nine or 10, just because that was kind of the like. Mine did as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just because I think that's kind of, you know, I was so interested in storytelling and interested in movies and plays and such that that was really the only avenue available to a kid. You know what I mean? Even like a PA position on a set um, or a runner or something that would just get you in there is not available, um, you know, until you're, you know, late teens, early twenties or so. So I started out acting, uh, did a lot of kind of like off, off Broadway theater uh, and that kind of thing in New York, which is amazing. Um, and my plan, I thought I was going to be kind of like a writer, director, actor. Um, all of the kind of people that were popular, you know, you had like in New York, especially, but you had, you know, like I grew up watching Woody Allen films. That's just what he did. Yeah. I grew up watching Spike Lee. You know, he was in all of his early stuff. Um, Ed Burns was a big uh, independent filmmaker I looked up to at the time. Uh, I'm still do, but, you know, especially uh, came out of the film called The Brothers McMullen. Uh, which was like a big kind of New York indie film uh, when, when I was about, when I was just getting into acting and I was like, okay, cool. Here's another one. Um, but over time, you know, uh, I started, you know, kind of later on in my teenage years, you know, I worked a summer job, bought a camera and started making short films with, just with my friends in the neighborhood uh, and realized that there was very often no one to hold the camera. Um, and so I kind of just stepped back from acting to make sure I was shooting the movie and capturing everything we needed for the film. Uh, and then really, really just fell in love with photography and cinematography and just kind of telling stories visually. Is directing something that, you know, you'd, you'd be interested in doing, you know, later down the line? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, I love telling stories. Uh, so yeah. however I can, however I can tell stories, um, that's you know that's that's my path uh, i can definitely see myself i think a lot of this you know there are definitely stories that i have that i want to tell um and there are definitely stories that i read or scripts i read that i also want to tell so or want to shoot you know what I mean? so i think i think my path is probably going to be like directing smaller films and shooting at the same yeah. time brilliant back, back to clemency then um one one thing that was striking was you've got these to, what, to, to the two main characters in particular who they don't interact with each other that's um, the warden and the prisoner um, but you you manage to capture so much about how they are feeling and there's this increased sort of um, 
ratcheting up of this feeling of uh, claustrophobia, I suppose, as the film goes on. So how how did that plan? How did you plan that out in your head, and what choices did you make to sort of give that feeling as the film plays out? Yeah, I mean that's a great question. We that was something that we talked about a lot, um, and that I mean that's something I'm the, you know the the fact that everyone seems to feel that as the movie progresses is something I'm very proud of. Um, obviously, it's in the script. Obviously, in the, in the performances and the directing, but visually, we really tried to convey that. Um, in a few ways. Most notably, uh, Bernadine's, the way we shoot Bernadine's office changes throughout the film um, in every scene. I think we're in there maybe eight times, nine times throughout the movie. Uh, the first time we're in her office, we're very wide. Uh, we shoot, shot entirely in mediums, almost in profile, looking at the window. Um, so you have the characters kind of against a window against the, the light from outside, against the outside world. As the movie progresses, each time we re return to her office, we're a little tighter and we're a little further around her. Um, so middle of the movie, we're almost straight on with the two characters. Uh, in the middle of the movie, there's a scene where uh, Anthony Woods' lawyer, Marty, comes and they has kind of a, a tense interaction with Bernadine, the excuse me, the warden. Um, and that scene is kind of like our middle point, and that's shot almost almost dead on each uh, actor. From there, we continue coming around to get even tighter, so that by the last the last time we're in her office, we're almost in profile on the other side, where she's boxed in against the back wall, and we're very very tight on her. Um, we yeah. do a lot of things like that. But hopefully, you don't notice, but you feel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely right. So obviously, a big turning point. Um, with the film's release was Sundance and when it won the Grand Jury Prize. Um, presumably, um, you got to be there at Sundance when it, when it won. Um, how did that? How significant did that feel for for you guys um, in having made the film? And is that is that sort of accolade important and that recognition important? Yeah. Um, so I was I was at Sundance for the premiere. I wasn't there for the uh, for the award ceremony. Um, I was in a I was in a little taco joint in East LA, uh, <laughs> watching the live stream on my phone. Yeah. Uh, and when when they announced Clemency, I just started screaming. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> in the place yeah. is, is looking at me. I I was pushing my daughter. Oh my god! Uh, she's like, Daddy. Everyone's looking at us. Stop. I was like, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, but uh, I mean, it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. Uh, you know, Sundance. Uh, you know. There are a few, you know, kind of like, like mile markers and gatekeepers. Um, you know, Sundance is definitely one of those, one of those mile markers where people who are not aware, people look to Sundance to kind of see who, what the next generation of talent is and what's coming next and who's coming, you know, who's coming up the, down the road. Um, so something like winning the injury at Sundance, you know, I mean, you'll have to ask me again in 10 years uh, what the effects were completely. But I mean, it, it's kind of like an instant validation. Um, yeah, presumably for the for the film in particular, I guess that's probably the reason Neon picked it up on the back of that for distribution, was it? Um, so that gives it a, a significance as well, um, I suppose. Yeah, like, you know, there's plenty of 
there's plenty of indies that get made that are amazing, but for whatever reason, just never quite get a platform. Um, and if you're, if you're lucky enough to get, you know, it's like, I mean, I think, you know, we were a long shot to get into Sundance in the first place. You know, we, we were not, there wasn't a pre-existing relationship there. They weren't aware of the film. You know, they, they were not part of the development of the film. Uh, Clemency was, was um, applied to the Sundance Lab. You know, the Sundance Labs are kind of like, Sundance is not just a festival. It's kind of like a whole organization that, that kind of like, picks out really talented filmmakers and stories and kind of ushers them through and helps their movies get made and puts them in, in a position to be successful with these films. Um, Clemency didn't get into any of these programs at Sundance. So, you know, just the fact that it got in I, was a huge win for me. Um, and I thought, uh, you know, it's such a, it's such a kind of, kind of deep, heady, non-commercial film. Um, that deals with a lot of things that, you know, deals with, you know, deals with topics that you like film primarily is a, is a business and you need, you know, a lot of movies these days need to sell a product in addition to telling a story. Um, and Clemency doesn't sell a product. So, you know, was, I, I thought it was going to be an uphill battle the whole way through. So even getting into Sundance, I was, that was, you know, I was over the moon. Uh, and then to win was a whole nother level you know and, and speak speaking of sundance um we're, we're really inter interested to read about the uh, the 40 year old version uh it sounds quite different to the other stuff you've um well so it certainly sounds quite different to clemency can you tell us a little bit about that yes yeah, so the 40 year old version um is a new york comedy set in black set in new york shot in black and white um about a struggling playwright who returns to her first love which is hip-hop oh wow Wonderful, and um, and you sh I believe you sh so you shot it in black and white on film. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, we shot black and white thirty-five millimeter film. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah. Nice, amazing. I, I, I um, think I think that's coming to Netflix. I believe so. Uh, I it is. Yeah, know. Netflix picked that one up at Sundance uh, this past January. So that's you know, before Corona, it was going to be a big fall <laughs> premiere uh, yeah. and go to you know, and then and it was going to be a you know, kind of like a Roma esque you know in theaters on Netflix at the same time. Yeah. Uh, type thing but we'll see how, how do you feel about that with regards to you know it it going straight to sort of vod now i suppose rather than actually going into the cinemas i mean you know i think this you know 40 would be my first the first film that was supposed to get a theatrical that didn't um mm. you know i don't know yet i think i feel like i say this a lot in kind of like festival q and a's that like the last step in in finishing a film is experiencing it with an audience. Yeah. Um, you know, filmmaking is more than filmmaking is like an amazing, amazing thing because it's kind of this like experience of alone together. If that makes yeah. sense. You're kind of watching this film in a dark room and you're having all these emotional experiences and you're surrounded by, you know, hopefully hundreds of people <laughs> having similar experiences to you. Um, and you know, I mean, at the, like when, a, when you watch a good film with a great audience and the credits roll, there's just like a feeling that the whole room has, mm. uh, that can't be replicated at yeah. home. Uh, we've been, we've been speaking a lot about that over the last few weeks and, uh, it's quite a sort of significant, um, news in the last week that Tenet's been pushed back indefinitely. And sort of that's, that's been quite a marker for, 
you know whether we're going to get back into into theatres soon so it was it was quite it was quite disappointing to hear that Mm. Um, with with regards to that then we again we because we've been making this podcast during the lockdown we're trying to not mention the 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 c (laughs) word (laughs) (laughs) that much however how how have you been sort of you know being sort of creative or having like a creative output during you know the the lockdown and all this sort of madness i suppose yeah i mean you know i've um you know kind of like you guys mentioned earlier, I have a daughter, so you know a lot of my a lot of my day is uh, is not mine. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's I've I've been trying to write a lot, um, trying to you know, it's it's hard to just have kind of like a creative outlet. Film is such a communal uh, thing. Movie making is such a communal thing that when you're by yourself, it's like okay, um, where do I go next? But uh, you know, I I. I've been writing. We've actually been shooting a lot of like little commercials at home. Uh, so that's kept us pretty busy. Um, you know, we'll see. You, met, you mentioned you've got a daughter. So we're actually doing a feature this week on our favorite family films, particularly animated films. Um, how, how, how do you get, how, how do you enjoy cinema and film with your daughter? What, where, what do you enjoy watching the most? Where, do you have any favorites? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what uh, what our favorites are. Uh, we watch a lot of films. Every every Friday is movie night. Uh, we we you know darken the room and make popcorn. We pull the projector down. You know we do a big like a big movie night. Uh, we just finished uh, the Back to the Future trilogy. Oh wow. Uh, <laughs> That's quite fitting, Greg, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I actually watched Back to the Future for the first time a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, oh, my yeah, God. That's, really that's cool. ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we watched. She'd seen the first one a couple of times. This is the first time we watched the whole the whole trilogy. Uh, mm. So that's a favorite. Jurassic Park is a favorite. Fantastic. Kind of a lot of the movies. <clears throat> a lot of the movies that I loved as a kid. You know, yeah, definitely. Kind of share that with her now. Mm, brilliant. Okay, cool. I've got a fi- I've got a feeling, Eric. We're going to see a lot more of you um, at our cinemas when we when they get to reopen in the next few years. So thank you hopefully, so much for hopefully. taking. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much yeah, for taking so the time much. to talk to us. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Wow. Wow. So that was Eric Branco, director of photography for Clemency, which we watched this week. Um, yeah, what, what a, a guy. guy. Yeah. And just a massive, massive thank you to Eric for, you know, giving his time and, and having, you know, a, a genuine chat with us, which yeah. we, we loved it. <laughs> and yeah, joining us all the way from LA. He's got, got up early yeah. in the morning to speak to us from LA, which is pretty cool. Um, so I know, must be, must be super early on this, uh, this Friday morning. <laughs> Oh yeah, so seven, seven still o'clock going, here. still going. Hey. Um, so clemency, uh, what, what did you, what did you? So, and what I will say is, I hated it. <laughs> it was awesome. What, it? Um, what I will say is, it's the second Death Row film I've seen this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the other being Just Mercy, which I've mentioned a couple of times, and you've seen this week as well. Yeah, I watched this uh, week. Yeah. Yeah, um, but it's very different. It's a complete different perspective of Death Row, where Just Mercy looks at um, the side of the um, the accused and focusing on the accused and um, the lawyer who's trying mm. to f- fight their corner. This is focusing in on the warden. Yeah, and the sort of tolls it takes 
on her herself. I think, uh, yeah, you know, I, w- I watched Just Mercy as well this week um, for the first time. And it, comparing it to uh, Clemency, they're completely different films. I, yeah. I, if I'm honest, I'll be genuinely honest, I prefer Clemency so much more. It was so much deeper. Um, Just Mercy, it was a very good film, but it felt a lot more sort of showy. You know, everybody's wearing wigs and putting on accents and it just felt a little bit more contrived a bit more forced i suppose again not that i didn't enjoy it i did i didn't i did really enjoy it however i just felt like clemency was on a completely different level it was it was it was it was tough it was a very very tough watch but then on the other hand it was lovely to watch because again not picking it up too much but the cinematography and the way it's filmed is stunning it is absolutely beautiful it really really is well well, i I think i texted you in the first 10 minutes because you've seen it before me uh, and it it is one of the most difficult 10 minutes of cinema i've ever watched in in terms of how uncomfortable it makes you feel and that is absolutely Mm. the intention of the filmmakers um uh, it's it it's quite it's quite harrowing and yeah oh god but the point is, that's the setup of the film because that instigates the kind of um, the path, uh, the, the the lead role. So it's Alfred Woodard, Woodard, isn't it? Um, I, I'd only seen her in a few few sort of smaller roles, and I'll hold my hands up. These were Marvel roles, so she's in <laughs> the Luke the Luke Cage TV show, and she's she's got a fairly small role in in Civil War, but quite a memorable role. Um, and she was just unbelievable. Yeah, as as, the, as Bernadine, who is the the warden of of the prison, you you could really feel her anguish that she was feeling it, and through through very few words, you know, she she yeah. never she never really said how how much she was struggling, but you absolutely felt it. Um, she also, shout out to Wendell Pierce who um, plays her husband Jonathan Williams. Yeah. If you, yeah. So if, if you've seen The Wire, uh, yeah. for me, I've seen it, it. Suits. It is um, Meghan Markle's dad in okay. in, in Suits, yeah. and uh, yeah. he's really brilliant in everything I've seen him. Um, and Aldis Hodge is Anthony Woods, who's the who is the prisoner on death row, and mm. in, in a similar sort of way, a character with very little dialogue, but you feel so much. Oh yeah, definitely going through. One of the other key roles in the film is it's played by Richard Schiff, who um, he is he's the lawyer and he's absolutely amazing, really understated, and you can feel the kind of toll on him as well. Uh, he actually yeah. says very early on that he's re- he's going to retire now because he he just can't really take it anymore. All the, so many um, members of the cast did uh, put out amazing performances. Yeah, this. definitely. It was it really it's. It, not, none of it was an easy watch, but that's that, that's the idea. It really makes yeah. you think about, and I suppose it's you know there's there's loads of films set in prisons and yeah. you know about death row, but there's very few that you. It's actually from the the the, the guard side, I suppose, or the well, this is intent in in this sense, it's the warden, and you can really yeah. for, feel the sort of weight of this burden eating away at her she's she's very sort of strong and stern throughout and i i I'll just say again like alfred woodard's performance is just unbelievable uh, yeah but it, you see these sort of cracks showing on uh, this sort of like rock hard shell that she has um so for example it's just little things like she drinks quite a lot um she can't sleep 
her marriage isn't going particularly well. But it's things like whenever she's speaking to, you know, her team or um, family members of, of inmates, she's very stern and very sort of, she's rock hard. And then literally yeah. as soon as they leave the room or as soon as she leaves the room, every single time she breaks. Nobody yeah. sees her break, but she breaks until maybe, well, the very, very end. And I just thought, it just seeing that side of things you don't usually see uh, in yeah. films like this, it was, it was really, really like, Oh, brilliant! Really I, th- I think I, I think again to, to contrast it to Just Mercy, Just Mercy very much um, treats as as you normally would um, the the cops and the, those prosecuting and the wardens and the prison guards as the bad guys, and you only yeah, see them as the yeah. bad guys. This completely humanizes them. The, yeah, because it's of a course job. It's it would the take job. Time. You know yeah. what I mean? And that, that's how it is. Whether you agree with you know it or not, I suppose that's a completely different different sort of uh, conversation. But you do see it from their side out. It is a job, and it's not nice. They don't enjoy it. Uh, but it's mainly you know uh, Bernadine, the warden, just really. It's just eating away at her. Um, yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Completely. I can't. I really can't sort of word it, <laughs> you know. But it, it, it's it's a very deep and sort of touching film, but not in like a you know at all sort of soppy sort of way. It's you what you come away from it. You felt something. It's it's really, yeah yeah. So this is the first feature film from director Chidonye Chukwu. Um, she also made a short, and, and as we discussed with Eric very briefly back in 2013, uh, called A Long Walk. And we've both watched it this week. Um, yeah, I'd yeah. absolutely recommend going find You can find it on Vimeo, um, actually. Um, but if you want to see Clemency, it's available for £10 on Curzon Home Cinema and BFI Player. PG tips. Not a single so solid you this week. We've decided to look at ours and your favourite family films. So, uh, family animated films, animated, yeah. animated family films. Um, so we say family films, and I think we're excluding. We say now we're excluding things like Into the Spider Verse. Yeah, annoyingly, Greg. Thanks for that. Because yeah. <laughs> that was one of mine. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of sort of called you out on that because I don't think, whilst it's a it's a splendid animation, um, really good film, but it's it's not a family film. So I sort of vetoed that. So what we've just the way we've decided to do it is we're st- we're going to do three films each, a bit like we did um, with the best and worst dads, but to stop us kind of flooding our top three with. Disney or Pixar in particular, we've decided to give it a little bit of a format. So we're each going to pick one hand-drawn animated film, one CG animated film, and then one wild. So you can go with anything you want. If you wild want card. Yeah. Or mine may be Disney, though, Greg. I do oh, apologize. Well, I, 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 you're, you're it might Disney. be. Yeah, I think so. I mean, anyway, to, be fair, to be fair, two of mine are. Um, <laughs> okay, but, so what we start, are we starting with the hand-drawn or are we starting with the computer? Let's go for the hand-drawn first of all, shall we? Because okay, do you want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. All right, I am going to go and throw in the classic in the bag. I'm going for Disney's Aladdin. 1992, I think it was, potentially. Round about that, yeah. And do you know what? It's So I must have been like sort of four, not very old when it came out, but it does... Mm. 
it does bring back really sort of core memories for me. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> what, I, what I remember, and this is really badass, but this is just pure consumerism. Um, yeah. I just remember the toys from McDonald's. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I remember sure. what, going to the cinema. Uh, I remember we watched Aladdin. It must have been a birthday. And then we went to McDonald's for Happy Meals. And I always remember you could get a genie lamp and you oh, twisted yeah. the bottom of the lamp and the genie's head popped out. I can, remember, I can remember a carpet, <laughs> I think, on wheels yeah. perhaps as well. So, yeah, awesome film, awesome music. Yeah. The music was just amazing. Um, that was one of the things I, 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 I've just written a few little things down. Like, I absolutely love the film. It's it, Yeah, it's got its problems. And, yeah. you know, some of the things don't work and don't really hold up. You know, Jasmine is not not a real character when you think about it. She's only fleshed yeah. out sort of in the live action film that came out a couple of yeah. years ago and um, as you, yeah the music is just fantastic i i i would say that's the best you know best music in in one of the films i think you're gonna you're gonna say something different in a minute i know but yeah. um you know the i suppose yeah catchy songs i love just this underdog tale you really yeah. you're with aladdin all the way you just i just I just loved it. He was brilliant. Absolutely. You got the best genie. You got the uh, best genie. The best <laughs> villain. And he's just on my mind. You got the best villain. Sorry, before we get to the genie. Um, in Jafar, he is just yeah. so scary. He's so creepy. He's so and camp, I, which that's, is wonderful. But that's <laughs> one thing the hand-drawn version. Because we, we said the other week how mm. great the um, the a live-action remake is. But one one thing they failed upon with the live action remake was Jafar, I think. It, yeah. It, it was yeah. nowhere hit nowhere near as good as that. No, not at all. Is. And it's it's genuinely funny. And obviously that all just comes down to Robin Williams. And I, I love the sort of um the backstory behind it. I won't go into too much detail, but the yeah. animators wanted Robin Williams as the as the um as the genie. They not even approached him. But the way they could persuade their bosses to even approach him was they got one of Robin Williams stand-up performances and one of his just chaotic mad you know crazy performances and animated and basically animated the genie doing it and showed their bosses and the bosses like this is incredible we've got to get it and sent it to him and he was just like this yeah love it and apparently there's hours and hours of recordings of him just going off I can imagine. Going mental because you just yeah. couldn't rein him in um yeah, yeah. so there you go uh, that's my argument for i think the the greatest hand-drawn family animated film is disney's aladdin yeah well that. i i would i you know i'd give you that i wouldn't i would not disagree with it i had the sega mega drive game of it as well mm. uh, which made it all the more cool yeah that was great yeah, yeah. really really good so uh, when i when i was thinking of my films i was kind of thinking I started, I started thinking about, well, do I avoid the obvious ones? And I realized I was overthinking it. And I thought, yeah. you know what? I'm not even going to go left field. I'm going to go straight in. I'm going to yeah. go for the ones that spring to mind, first of all. And I think time after time, if I got asked these questions, I would always go for the best hand-drawn animated film as The Lion King. Yeah. because it's just and i think largely it is for the music i think the music is absolutely sensational the sa- um the soundtrack obviously elton john tim rice was it uh, yeah, who did so. the, yeah who did the did the music with him unbelievable and i think it stood the test of time you know it really still does something to 
Zumi put makes the hair stand on the back of her neck, and and that's why it worked so well as a musical as well as a stage show. Have mm. you seen the stage show of Lion King? Ever? I've not. I've still not yeah. seen it. You know, honestly, it's. I mean, I feel like I feel like I'm coming across as some stage show fanatic. I'm not. <laughs> I've, I've seen uh, I've seen like a couple of stage shows in my life in person, uh, but I saw it in the West End, and the first scene, which is. You know the first scene of the of yeah, the film yeah. as well. Like, ah, Savinia, <laughs> oh, absolutely perfect. And they've got these guys, these puppets and things, and people walking down the aisles. And it brought a tear to my eye just because of how, just how amazing and how emotional it was. Yeah. But in any case, I think the film is the film is unbelievable. The story is just perfect, and it's original. It's an original story as well. It is. I think it's it's very very loosely based on Hamlet, isn't it? Yes, I think yeah. that was that was one it of the is. one of the things. But it's yeah, I you know I completely agree with you. For me, it was always going to be between Aladdin and The Lion King because I suppose they were the they were the two big ones for us when we when in we were growing time. up in in the sort of mid nineties, wasn't it? When you think about it, yeah, yeah it's got like this incredible voice cast. You know, Matthew yeah. Broderick, Rowan Atkinson, James Earl Jones, Jeremy Irons, Whoopi Goldberg's in it. Um, you know, in- incredible, absolutely, absolutely incredible. The yeah. animation's wonderful. I always remember, I remember watching, because this is just my crazy love for film ever since I was little. I always used to watch the DVD and video extras whenever I could, just because I wanted to know more about the film and how they were made. And they actually, sure. they sketched, they went to, to um, like zoos and sketch the lions fighting. So the the fight between Simba and Scar at the end is actually oh, like based on a proper lion fight. Um, it's mental, oh, it's, but it's, it's brilliant. It is, it is beautiful and it is really, really beautiful. And Hans Zimmer as well did the score for it. Yeah, um, of course it is. Okay, so my favorite computer animated family film, and it's not as popular as some of the other ones that people may say, but mine is Coco. So yep. this came, this is the Disney Pixar Coco came out maybe two, three years ago. I just absolutely adore this film. I've seen it now. I probably only watched it for the first time. We went, we went to Mexico in September, um, like myself, Max and Ben. And we were like, right, family film before we go. Oh, like Coco, we've not seen it. It's meant to be brill. And it's set in Mexico. Let's watch this. And we yeah. were just like crying the entire way through this oh, film and i just absolutely it love it it's it's incredible the music is is just wonderful it's so yeah. authentic sort of mariachi this sort of flamenco kind of thing it, yeah. it's wonderful and i still listen to the soundtrack that song remember me for which is like the main sort of song but even both versions the sort of sad version at the end is just beautiful but even the big like mariachi version yeah, like, yeah, yeah. ernesto de la cruz um <laughs> that's, that's the guy's name um i just yeah. love it it's absolutely incredible um it's nice to see and it's i don't mean to sound like patronizing it but it's nice to see like a different culture that isn't you don't see much of in, especially in like family films represented yeah. and it, it does sound a little bit patronizing i really don't mean well, it that way but it, it's just i think it was it's nice for like kids to see a different side of the world and things you know and how how, uh, how oh absolutely how yeah 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 and it's i mean the, there was another animated film about two or three years before called the book of life which again, yeah, the yeah, day, yeah. day of the dead uh, which yeah. was nowhere near as good 
um, yeah. as this. But I actually, as an adult, I learned a lot about the day. So my main reference point for the Day of the Dead is the start of Spectre. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, no, um, I, th- I think one th- yeah. one thing Disney and indeed Pixar hit with Coco is it, it is the 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 feeling and the nature of the, some of the the best earliest Disney films. It's just yeah. some of the lovely, lovely ideas um, and emotions and teachings. In that film, well, so, some of the messages, the you know, it, it's about forgiveness. It's about, yeah. you know, your family are always there. It's, even it's when like, you don't know they're there, they're always there. It's um, about dealing with loss and grieving. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, and that's really, yeah. I think that's really healthy for, especially for kids. You know, my son Ben's too young. Um, but I think it, it's, you know, for maybe six, seven-year-olds watching it, it's, it, it's really healthy for them. Ooh, not my mic. Sorry, <laughs> it's really healthy for them to sort of see, you know, life and death and things like that being represented in films and put in it in an approachable and like a um, not fu- I wouldn't say fun way, but in like I don't know. It's not. It doesn't have to be this big scary thing. Um, and it's I about think following your passions as well, which is which is something we can vouch for definitely. Absolutely, and, that, and that's this. And you know, it, it is no coincidence that most of these films we're talking about are are Disney films, but mm. because they're not just made for entertainment, they are made with these amazing messages that yeah. uh, are really important for kids to learn about. Really, sort of very yeah. clever ways of getting those messages across as, as well. Go on. What's your number one? Number one, so my number uh, one CG animated, I've just gone for the, the original because yeah. it's so <laughs> close to my heart. I couldn't not go for Toy Story. Uh, yeah. it's, so 1995, I was about six or seven years old, and I think I was the perfect age for yeah. Toy Story when it came out. And I completely grew up with the Toy Story original trilogy. Uh, and that was why the end of toy story 3 was so poignant for me and and just hit me hate to use the phrase it hit me completely in the feels like (laughs) yeah some serious onion chopping going on where every time (laughs) every single time i watch that film and it's because that signifies an end of an era because i was sort of like andy's age-ish when toy story 1 came out and in a way for me i felt like Perhaps I was Andy, you know. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, but that's it. I, uh, just to jump in, but this is exactly sticking to what you're saying. I remember my sister. So my eldest sister is seven years older than me. Um, yeah. And so, hi Jen. Uh, she's listening. Uh, I remember she, regular, Jen regular listener, Jen. regular listener, Jen. Obviously, um, she. I remember she went watching Toy Story and came back. She went, came, went to the cinema and came back. And I was, I was, you know, really young at the time. And she said, "I've watched this film. It's brilliant. You're going to love it. I'm going to take you." And I'm, I'm 100 sure Jen took me to the cinema. So I, I watched Toy Story one and absolutely loved it. Toy Story two probably went with some friends, okay? Because it yeah. was, you know, a few years later on, we were probably just getting old enough to watch it. So absolutely yeah, loved yeah. it. Toy Story three came out when we finished uni, and me and my now wife Max, but we we weren't, you know, married then. We took our niece and nephew, uh, Taylor and Calvin, to go and watch it. They were maybe, I don't know, let's say eight at the time, something like that. So we took them to watch Toy Story 3. 
yeah. at the cinema. So that was like, already we've got like my sister taking me, me going with friends, me taking my niece and nephew. And then we yeah. watched Toy Story 4 with my son. Oh, and it's just it's like, just too perfect, it's isn't just it? a wonderful, wonderful little yeah. thing. Unfortunately, Toy Story 4 was, was crap. But uh, <laughs> let's not dwell on that too much. But, um, well, you know what? it wasn't. It wasn't they, I think they got away with it. I think they got away with it. It wasn't crap. It was, it was a very dangerous move. And when I heard they were doing it, I did not want them to do it. But it, it was good enough to think yeah, okay, yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. the others. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, uh, go back, back to uh, Yeah, sorry for jumping No, I, no, no you, can, you kind of covered it really well. It's, it, I feel exactly the same. And my son is so into Toy Story. I think I've got Buzz yeah, and Zerg behind me. I have got um, some... Oh. Keep talking. I'm actually, I'm actually jealous of my son's toy collection because he's got every single one of them, pretty much that he's had over the years. So yeah, you've got Woody and you and there and Jesse, and he's got them as well. We've got, we've got Rex. Mike. We've got, we've got a ham piggy bank that broke on the first day we had it because it's actually made of porcelain. Um, so I'm quite jealous of my son's Toy Story toy collection, which is why I kind of like nick them from time to time. Yeah. That's I wonder if that's Tom Hanks's, uh, Tom Hanks's brother. Brother, yeah, because his brother yeah. does a lot of the toy, toy voice. My name's Sheriff Woody. You're my favorite deputy. I think it's the brother. Yeah, probably right. It, it, it's a beautiful plot with some, again, beautiful messages um, about, you know, the, speaking about the natural feeling of jealousy that even the best people in the world feel yeah. at, at times. It's 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 about people being imperfect and that being yeah. okay. It's so it, it it's of course about friendships. It's about loyalty, um, but. I, the, I completely grew up with it. I think the music is sensational. Randy Newman, the soundtrack is just yeah. so great. Yeah, and I mean, like, a lot, you think pe- a lot of like people that. say Toy Story Two is better than Toy Story One. I don't 1. think and, it is. No, no, I don't think it is. And I nearly, and I tried to convince myself. I, I, I thought, is is that the accepted thing? And I thought about it, and I, and I thought, no. No, Toy, the first Toy Story yeah. is the best Toy Story. I mean, the, the trilogy, the whole, the first three are all incredible. And like I say, yeah. the fourth one, it was good enough. But no, it's, it's the original one. Again, I had the game on the Mega Drive, which was awesome. Yeah, I remember that as well, yeah. yeah. There's a really, really weird Stanley Kubrick um, reference in Toy Story. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever seen this. It's got to be in so, Sid's house. Somewhere. Yeah, it is. It's the carpet in Sid's house is oh, yeah, the, same the same carpet as the shiny. from The Shining. Yeah. Really weird yeah. from the Overlook Hotel. I very, saw that recently. Like... We must have looked at the same article recently because I saw oh, it's on yeah, all so... these clickbaity film articles yeah, that we exactly. read. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So yeah, that's my favorite CG. Amazing. So now we we thought we'd we throw in a bit of a, a wild card, so one that people wouldn't necessarily see coming, um, but film that means you know quite a lot to us, I suppose, or that we you know we feel quite passionate about. And mine, unfortunately, it is another Disney. It's not a Disney Pixar, but it is a, a Disney, and oh. it is. Um, well, Zootopia or Zootropolis, depending on which country you're in. Um, yeah, which, which was the UK name? Um, I want to say Zootropolis, maybe. On IMDb, yeah. it's Zootopia, and I'm thinking that's maybe the American one. What was the reasoning behind the different Really, names? no, to be honest, because no. there's nothing there 
that stands out that's anything overly British or overly American, to be honest. Because we, it'll it'll be it'll be something bizarre. Like some, there will be a zoo in one of the countries with the name that the yeah maybe for, and that's the reason they couldn't call it that in that place or something something yeah. like that. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it Zootopia. I think okay. it's just easier to say. Um, so th- this is one that kind of caught me off guard a few years ago. Disney, I I kind of had this 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 feeling that sometimes when Disney strayed away from uh, its sort of collaboration with Pixar, it didn't really make the strongest films. So uh, I, 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 one that jumps to mind is Bolt. If you remember yeah. Bolt, it was John Travolta voicing a dog. dog. Not yeah. not for me, unfortunately. So when I saw that Disney were doing an animated film and it's just all animals, I'm like, nah, it's been done to death, basically. But I watched it and I absolutely loved it. It was mm. it was just wonderful. And there's a lot, lot of things, a lot of reasons why, basically. One of the things I've said in the past about family films is the ones that I don't really like is when they create their own world. So I like I, I love Coco because it's set in our world, but you know it goes into the underworld. But that you know it could be there, it's not, but it could be. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're saying about Toy Story, toys could come to life. That they they won't. I'm sorry, to crush, crush, your, crush your, your hopes there, Greg. But, you know, but there's, you know, it, there's that sort of sense of kind of reality. Well, at least to a it. six-year-old Henry whose dreams have <laughs> just been crushed. <laughs> sorry, Henry. Um, but that kind of, Zootopia goes completely against that, that, my, my argument for those films. But I think this is, for me, the one sort of exception um, because it creates, it, it has this world that's just all animals and all these animals live in different sections of Zootopia. Um, <clears throat> you know, whether it's like the, the, the place where like the, the smaller rodents live or like the ice town or whatever it's called where ice yeah. town, that's a, that's a parks and rec reference. If anybody likes parks uh, and rec. Um, um, but you know, you, you get what I'm saying, but it, it, but for me, it's, it's this fully functioning world, which yeah. something like onward that we watched the other week yeah. didn't quite have, we didn't quite get them. No. Like you were saying we didn't quite get the mechanics of the world and how it yeah. worked. But I think Zootopia, it completely works for me, you know, in this yeah. sort of odd way, but it, it really, really does. Um, it's one of those amazing, amazing films that actually, it does appeal to all audiences. So, you know, the, uh, you, you know it does appeal to the kids you've got the fluffy animals being cute and you know it's very exciting and things like that but then also it's got these like really really strong messages that adults will get i i, I remember watching it and i felt genuinely moved by it i was like that is that is a, a wonderful film and it's a wonderful message it's about diversity it's about you know prejudice and, and anti-prejudice um it's got this like amazing voice cast jennifer goodwin jason bateman idris yeah. elba's Jenny Slate, who's a, a wonderful comedic actress. You've got J.K. Simmons, Octa- Octavia Spencer's in it. I just think it, it had everything you want from a, a you know a brilliant family film. And yeah. Yeah, there's not much more I want to say about it. It's bloody wonderful. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> is, it is fantastic. And uh, coming around, coming out around the same time, the wild card I've gone for is Sing. Uh, yeah. So it's the it's the what out of all the films we mentioned, it's the one non Disney. It's I think Illumination yeah. Sing. Yeah, I think so. The, the main reason I love Sing is because it was, it was my kids just absolutely fell in love with it. And on the back of watching Sing, um, my son in particular um, got into Elton John. He absolutely oh. loves Elton John. 
Yeah. Uh, who doesn't? Taron Edgerton, um, who plays Johnny the Gorilla, sings <laughs> I'm Still Standing in Sing. Absolutely awesome. And that's how he got the role in Rocketman. Yeah. Um, it, it, he was singing that. <laughs> it, it, and we spoke about Rocketman and how much we bloody love Rocketman as well. It's, it's a fantastic film. Uh, but Matthew McConaughey, Reese Witherspoon, Seth MacFarlane, Alcee's uh, yeah. awesome, Scarlett Johansson's in it, John C. Riley. Um, so it, it is, of course, um, a stellar uh, a list voice cast, um, yeah. and it's just a, it's it's just a really fun film. It, it's not particularly got the strong messages that a Disney film ha- has in it. Um, it's it, it's very he- heavily influenced by uh, the kind of talent shows that I absolutely hate. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it is absolutely brilliant again you've got it's an animal cast it's this world where uh, <laughs> you've got all different animals coexisting in cities um together but um, the way the way they do that is absolutely brilliant um, buster moon the koala um, he's the lead, the lead role matthew mcconaughey's character is a fantastic character um but my kids absolutely fell in love with it and they fell in love with the music and it's a really good way um, for kids to access brilliant songs yeah. uh, by brilliant artists um, by watching this film. Um, so, yeah, that's my wild card. Um, so it's another CG one. Uh, it's about four years old, but it, it's, it's well worth a watch. If you've not seen Sing, go and check it out. Yeah, I, I loved it. I've only seen it once, but it really stuck with me. And again, it was for the music. And you could tell they had this, this love for the music that was featured in it. So... Yeah, so it's it, for many reasons um, very different to the other films we mentioned. But mm. Sing, beautiful, beautiful. So we asked you guys what your favourite animated family films were, and we got a load of messages back, which was which was really brilliant. So um, Ali said, "It's Aladdin." No shock. Reasons being that the soundtrack was great. I know every single word to every single song, and I always wanted a pet tiger. Yeah. Probably, probably the wrong sort of message there. <laughs> you probably shouldn't watch uh, Tiger King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, um, Rich, Richard said, I've got two. He agreed with you on Zootopia. He said, didn't hear much. This is so much. I wonder whether he's watched more than half an hour of it. Uh, he said, didn't hear much about it. Randomly watched it this Christmas. I thought it was one of the best recent Disney films. Uh, so, so it was a real surprise. I know I'm not the target market. Market, but I've never heard about it until we put it on for our niece at Christmas. Secondly, Wreck-It Ralph. Really good concept. I thought it was quite clever. Good storyline and it was about friends and not just romance etc. And the big guy wasn't the bad guy which, you know, I feel like us bigger people, Rich is very tall are always yeah. made out to be bad people. Sizes to Hollywood. Not a bad sequel either. My wife, Max, said Moana because Lynn did all the music. Yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah, he did, Greg. Uh, yeah. And just generally a nice story with a strong message. Definitely. Moana is it is a really, really great film. Um, yeah. Some of the, I think The Rock as Maui is like just wonderful, <laughs> excellent you, cast. You know what? I, I always, I, I wasn't a massive WWE fan, but I was a fan enough to re- be really into The Rock. How dare I, you, Greg? I used to regularly watch like, the Royal Rumble and things like that, but yeah. I loved The Rock. But and he was a great wrestler and great entertainment then. But he's a fantastic actor, absolutely yeah. fantastic actor. Yeah. Um, we've had loads of people choose Shrek as their favourite film, so we're going to pick yeah. out with people who said Shrek. Jack Jack said Shrek. Awesome music in there. 
and mean material. Ebony says, Shrek never fails to make me laugh no matter how many times I watch it, which is a worrying amount for a 20-year-old. And I just think it's a timeless classic that will never get old. And that's it. Doesn't, some, of, some of these best family films, it they, they, doesn't matter how old you are, like they're, they're wa- yeah. re-watchable and enjoyable. Shrek 1 is wonderful. It's so, so good. But it, yeah. for me, it's just a shame and people are going to hate on me for that, because especially somebody later on. But I, they just shouldn't have made the sequels to Shrek, unfortunately, in my uh, opinion. No, but, they but there we go. Too far. But again, a brilliant cast, good, good music, and and beautiful yeah. messages as well. Right, yeah, here. definitely. Do you want to read? Do you want to read? You can read Ross. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so Ross, <laughs> being controversial, um, says South Park the movie. It was the highest grossing R-rated animated film for years before Sausage Party. Two <laughs> animated films that are, should definitely not be mentioned along with the term family <laughs> film, Ross. Uh, so with veto Con- in there. Controversial. Mark said, so this is our, this is our Mark, Greg, yeah. our Mark. Um, our Mark. It's an obvious one, I guess, but got to be Lion King, I think. Nice story, great casting, an awesome original score from Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Brackets, legend. Yeah, you just can't deny that. The, the no. he still Hans Zimmer still plays it in when he does his, you know, his tours and things like that. He still does the Lion King soundtrack, which is like, ah, oh, it's beautiful. It really is beautiful. So Bethan, controversial because you said earlier on <laughs> that, that not a good, no, no good Shrek sequels, but she says Shrek two. Um, mm. I don't know why you picked Shrek two over Shrek one, anyway. Oh, yeah. um, but there we go. She also said Monsters Inc. or Tangled. Not seen Tangled, uh, but I think my daughter hasn't enjoyed it. And then, oh, well, he's taking his time to send a message in, doesn't he? Grinty. <laughs> Grinty. Little Stewie. Stuart Dimitri Burroughs over here says, Up! Amazing film. It's just brilliant. Really sad beginning, but then takes you on such a good journey and ends <laughs> ends with you feeling good again. Oh. Yeah, that's all. I suppose that's all you want, really, from a family film. I suppose that's all you want from a film, to, <laughs> to yeah. be fair. But, but yeah. I think it's safe to say that the first five minutes of Up is possibly the most oh. heartbreaking five yeah. minutes of cinema you will yeah. ever watch ever yeah. watch yeah, ridiculous completely. no it's a good choice it's a really good choice mm. about a, a really lovely relationship um that it's it, it, that, that sort of cross-generational friendship is quite yeah special to see develop really yeah definitely so there we have it so they are our picks for our favorite animated family films and then yours as well so that was really great to hear and thank you everybody for sending your messages in really love reading them um keep them coming you know there's no reason why you can't keep sending us your uh, favorite family films if you want us to watch and, and review a particular fa- a particular family film by all means you know throw us some messages on uh, instagram uh we look forward to reading them So for this week's Dirty Dozen, we gave you guys the options of two Joker-led films on social media and let you vote. So these films were Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight and Todd Phillips' Joker. And the winner by a landslide was uh, Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight. Can I just say, I'm, I'm really glad you didn't make me... T- when you first put, said you were putting those two films against each other on social yeah. media, I was like, how can you do that? How can you do that to me? Because they are both sensational films. I mean... I'm always going to pick The Dark Knight yeah. over 
pretty much anything. Um, so yeah. actually, in the end, it wouldn't have been a difficult choice. It's no, you know, it's no surprise that it's a landslide. But honorable, honorable mention to Joker. It's just incredible, and it's yeah. so different for a film I'm, of genre. I'm really looking forward to watching it for the second time because I've only seen it in the cinema. Uh, yeah. when it came out in maybe well, October, November, something like yeah. that. Um, you rang me on my way home from watching it. I was in Nando's. Oh, really? Like, right, tell me about it. And I'm in bloody Nando's, mate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, um, but yeah, I'm, interested to see, I, I'm interested to see how I feel about it the second time around. Anyway, so Dark Knight 1, we've got 12 words, and that's all we're going to say about it. The second best iteration of the Joker behind the great Jared Leto. <laughs> I'm joking. Ha <laughs> ha. Punked. Punked. <laughs> I was no, I was waiting for you to I was waiting for the word not at the end. Not. <laughs> no, that was actually twelve words, but here, here, no, this is mine. Hands down, the best film ever made. Don't agree, I'll fight you. You know what? I nearly said fight me <laughs> at the end of mine, but I changed it a little bit. Okay. So, so bear in mind, we don't share each other's um, like we don't no, share we each do other's not. thoughts on new releases and uh, new films we watch, but we don't share each other's uh, dirty dozen either. So I said, I mean, it's, we've spoken before how much we both love this film, so it's yeah. no surprise that we're both West Liverpool. <laughs> I said, the greatest comic movie ever, per- perhaps the best movie. I'm so serious. Oh. So all the pe- yeah, the, I'm not, I, I, I can't, I can't actually can't say, say anymore. Yeah, I'm not allowed to. Yeah. Not allowed to say anymore. I mean, we, we, we have been, we, we try, I think we mention it most weeks, don't we? Yeah, um, we do. So I want to, we need to make a shout out for Christian because he was the first person to send us their own Dirty Dozen review. Um, yeah. So Christian said, one of Nolan's finest, Bale is a f-ing beast. Why so serious? Hey, copy it. Yeah. One, phew, unbelievable. Rick says Ledger redefined the comic book villain through darkness, yet a real believability. Yeah, yeah, beautifully put. Absolutely beautifully put. And then I don't think this is uh, Dirty Dozen Review, but Matt sent us his thoughts. He said, thought Joker was unique, though. I think that's because of the Dark Knight one. Really enjoyed it. Just the opening scene of the Dark Knight. Saw it in IMAX. Class film. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. I'm just counting your words, Matt. To be honest... Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, eleven, twelve. We should have just gone with thought Joker was unique though. Really enjoyed it, just the opening. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll edit it. <laughs> Not twelve words. Don't wanna know. No, no. So send us your uh twelve word review of the Dark Knight or of the Joker. It's completely up to you. And keep an eye on Instagram this week for next week's Dirty Dozen. Yeah, so homework time. So um, every week, usually either I set Dave some homework or Dave sets me some homework for a film um, the other one's not seen to so go away and watch uh, for us to chat about next week. And occasionally we get you guys to set us homework as well. If you do want to set us homework, send in a message. This person sent us a message. Evening, boys. Right, this is getting silly now. And I keep telling you to watch it. And you've still not done it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to set you a homework for this week. I don't care if you had any homework planned, but you need to watch The Gentleman. That's your homework. Enjoy, lads. So I remember um, 
back in January when I was going to the cinema maybe three times a week, some weeks, and yeah, James, who has messaged him before, uh, and he's a regular listener, said to me way back then, he was going, you need to see The Gentleman, you need to see The Gentleman. And I was like, yeah, but there's other films I want to see. And he was getting <laughs> more and more angry every week because I wouldn't go and see The Gentleman because it was his recommendation. And then we got the podcast, and he's been saying to me every, every week, since, you need to see The Gentleman. I'm waiting to hear your review of The Gentleman. So finally, finally, we're going to watch The Gentleman. We've we've had a bit of a we give Guy Ritchie a bit of a rest, haven't we, the past few weeks? So we'll... Well, that's that's it. I think we would have done it, and I think we were discussing maybe doing it in the third week, but we'd spoken yeah. at length about Guy Ritchie then. Who, and we, it's so you know, funny because we don't even like Guy <laughs> Ritchie that much, but he just kept <laughs> popping up in these bloody podcasts. <laughs> yeah, so um, oh. we're going to do it this week. Um, I'm going in completely, you know, um, what's the word? Uh, completely neutral. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, with an open mind, and uh, and uh, we're gonna see what we think of the gentleman, and we're gonna both chat about it next week. So, thank you, James. Cheers, James. James, that feels weird, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Thanks, yeah. Wardy. Cheers, Wardy. It's like Matthew. Yeah. If anybody gets well, there. The, the, the Ma- when we speak <laughs> about messages from Matthew and from Lever, they are completely different people, don't we? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so the gentleman. <laughs> Well, what an episode. That's a pretty cool show. I, I mean, we're saying it is significant. We've had our first guest. First um, guest and what a guest he yeah, was. What a lovely guy Eric Granko is. You, you, if you've not seen any of his other stuff, you, you really need to check out Clemency and this short, a long walk in particular, but how nice of him to um, dial in to have a little chat with us. And um, we've got a couple of other guests lined up for the next few weeks as well. So yeah. I, I highly recommend following Eric on Instagram as well. So it's just Eric Branco. Um, he's got some amazing, you know, he's an amazing photographer, but also he posts quite a lot about his work and, and things like that that he's been doing. So I, I would recommend, you know, checking him out as well. Yeah. So that's episode seven. Episode seven, done. Well, I think yeah. we need to do something big. We're getting close to 10. I think we need to do something big for 10. 10 is going to be significant, isn't it? That's... Just, let's just get hammered. So my favourite film was... I'll probably sound better <laughs> drunk, less northern. Yeah, um, yeah. so wow. that's... Episode seven, done, in the bag. On this fine Friday morning. <laughs> Oof gonna attack this day start uh, the weekend the weekend starts here what have you got are you doing much this what week are we doing we are today wink wink uh i'm going to a wedding believe it nice. or not yeah so, so uh, two of our very very close friends and regular uh messages for for the podcast i won't name them um they're getting married so it's a very very small intimate uh Ceremony, Congra- but we'll be quite honoured to go to yeah. it. So, Congrat- yeah. congratulations, both of you! It's, it's it's pretty cool that you know this is probably one of the first COVID weddings. That- yeah, I can imagine yeah. so. And I was actually speaking to the bride. I'm 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 deliberately not going to say the names because I don't I don't know if it's like a, it's something you should do. But um, I was speaking to the bride today. She sent a very very late. Um, in fact, I'll throw it in. She sent her uh, family. Uh, her favorite family films. I was like, you're very, very late. But it was, she said hers were Mulan. Her, Mulan was one of her favorite ones, which we didn't actually mention. So Mulan is a great film. Um, 
And she said, unfortunately, she won't be listening on Friday because oh. she's preoccupied getting oh, ready well, to get on, married. There's, there's always a window. <laughs> you know, and I was like, you're not busy at all. It's not important. Listen to the bloody podcast. You can have a little AirPod in your, in your ear whilst, you, <laughs> whilst you're getting your hair done. Things like that, I do. You know? I do hate Jared Leto. <laughs> <laughs> hey. hey, we got it. We got it. Uh, cool. Yeah, so that's that's me. I'm I may be going out for some food somewhere um, nice. when we get back on on Saturday. Well, that's about it, really. How about you? Anything exciting? I've had a couple of like busy weekends with going camping the other weekend mm. and then going to London last weekend. So I'm I'm pleased to say at the moment this this weekend looks quite chilled. Yeah, just nice. meeting a couple of friends on Saturday, and that's about it, really. Cool. Good stuff. Good stuff. It's just, it's a good life, isn't it? It's a beautiful life. Where can people find us, Greg? People can find us on the Twitter, but we don't really use the Twitter, uh, <laughs> at Dads on Film Pod. At, on Instagram, at Dads on Film Pod. Uh, we have a Facebook. I think that's Dads on Film Pod. That's growing, actually, I noticed. More Is it? Following it? We're not yeah. really updating it much, are we? No. Um, people have been trying to send us messages, voice messages on the Anchor app. It just doesn't really seem to be working. So feel free to send them over WhatsApp if you've got our numbers or email them to us or Instagram, things like that. Because, um, again, we do want to hear from you. Yeah. I mean, don't yeah. Keep, it, keep it brief. Right? <laughs> Probably like minute tops. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. So there we go. Another episode, another week, stuck indoors. I'm buzzing well, about this really episode. I, yeah. I'm, I'm dead happy about this episode. I, <laughs> I think, do you know what I might do? Go on. I might listen back to it. Oh my God. Ugh. Yeah. Sadist. <laughs> 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 <sighs> See ya.